You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hi there, Slow Down Society. Steph here, and we are on episode number 121 of the Slow Living Podcast. Thank you for being here. Today, we are going to do a bit of kind of a rediscussion on labels and talking a little about of anxiety, maybe some ADHD, maybe a little bit of a combo of both, and just sharing, I wanted to share a little bit of who I am, how my brain works, and why I've come up with the systems and the routines and the habits that I have, and how they fit me and serve me, and how they might also serve you. So back in episode number 24, I did uh, a recording on labels, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I shared that um, my middle daughter, the one who has celiac disease, which is a gluten intolerance, and how we never really wanted her quote unquote labeled in that way. She just happened to be a kid and this is just happens to be the way that she eats. And because I've been writing online for as long as I have, and because having celiac in our family is not a secret in any way, I get a lot of questions about it. I get questions about how the diagnosis process happened and how did we figure it out and and, and this and that and the other thing. And right now, I'm talking celiac. Right now, the only way to be truly diagnosed is through an endoscopy and having a biopsy done on the villi. So the villi are the little kind of fingery things in your in your small intestine. And I say fingery things for lack of a better term. But, but I envision them as like little sea anemone in your intestines. And that's what is grabbing the nutrients for your body. And so if you have celiac disease, your villi gets flattened and they get kind of um, fried and start to disintegrate. And then you no longer are grabbing those like nutrients. So back in the day before celiac was a thing, people just thought maybe children or other people had failure to thrive or they were sickly and different things like that. And thankfully, over the course of time and and advances in medicine and science, we have figured this out, that some people's bodies just do not process gluten in this way and it damages the villi and the, the diagnosis is celiac. So what's interesting about this is we were diagnosed, and by saying we, it was my daughter, she was diagnosed in 2006 at 22 months with celiac disease. We did a blood test and found that she had the markers of it, but the only way to get a true diagnosis was to have an endoscopy. And she was a tiny little baby, and 
she did need to go under general anesthesia um, to have this endoscopy done. Knowing what I do now about this, I don't think I would have the the same decision-making process of putting a tiny little baby um, through general anesthesia just to have this diagnosis. I think I would merely change the diet. Um, and again, this is me thinking now. Um, th- this was, I don't know, a good 18 years ago now. And Steph at that time didn't know as much as she does now. Um, maybe I'm wrong because hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe I still would have this idea. Um, my hunch is I wouldn't. My hunch is that having the actual label and the diagnosis isn't all that important when you have the, the tools and you know what to do, what the action steps are. And so this came up, um, it comes up quite a bit actually in my coaching calls. I've shared that I have anxiety and um, in this past episode, I interviewed Addie and Addie has this uh, calming anxiety device um, that she shared with us and that I have and that I use. Um, And and I've only just started using it because it was just sent to me in the last few weeks. Is it a helpful tool? Yes. Will it cure anxiety? No. Will I always have anxiety? Probably yes. And I... Um, I think about that an awful lot and, and I think about where my anxiety came from, what I would be like without it, um, does it hold me back in other ways? And it's really interesting because I don't know if it matters because I'm so comfortable with who I am and what I do and how I do it that I don't long for or wish for anything different. It's just kind of a part of me the the same way I have brown eyes and I'm only five feet. I also am anxious in, in certain situations and I don't necessarily wish it away. It just is a, a fact. Um, as I shared last week with Addie, that it comes up often for me um, when I'm driving and it's um, usually that I might do something wrong and cause an accident um, for other people, not necessarily for myself. I'm not worried about myself getting hurt. But the idea that I could inadvertently hurt someone else um, really concerns me and, uh, and gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, and it was funny because we're in, I'm recording this um, in December, and I know this will air at the end of January, but we were watching the Home Alone movies and watching Kevin (laughs) uh, being home alone. And he didn't ask for help from any of the grown-ups in his life. He just took it upon himself to booby-trap the house and um, defend his home and and do all of this stuff all on his own at a very young age. He's like eight years old, nine years old. And it sounds so silly, but I kind of view my anxiety a little bit in that way 
that for some reason, I have this kind of core belief that I have to do everything myself and that no one will help me. Or if I ask for help, they won't understand what I mean. So I might as well just do it myself. So maybe that's a little bit of martyr syndrome also. And it's definitely something that I pay attention to. And I and I am getting much, much better at delegating. But I also have kind of some some control things in that I want things done my way. So sometimes it's just easier to do it myself. I, and, and I know, especially when I'm asking help um, from my children, like I want the towels folded a certain way and, and I would like the dishwasher loaded and emptied a certain way. But I also don't want to give them a complex because I'm trying to uh, raise future capable, strong, stable adults. So I know this is me. So I bite my tongue and I look the other way and I do some deep breathing because I know in the big huge scheme of things how the towels are folded or how the dishes are put away doesn't really matter and I don't want to micromanage them. But it's definitely something that I'm aware of. So when it, the, I, I'm labeling this um, episode anxiety, ADHD, and more. More and more women are coming to me for coaching and they uh, are pretty sure that they have ADHD or markers of it and I have that too. So I can absolutely connect and I'm aware of it and I've talked to a few different therapists and a psychiatrist and my own GP um, and I most definitely have markers of ADHD and a little bit of OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. And when I think back to how I was growing up and different things, the the signs are all there. I mean, I had lots of avoidance issues starting at a very young age. I remember sort of being in nap time in preschool. And this sounds silly, but this is who I am. So I'm just going to share it. I would pluck eyelashes out of my eye and sort of shove it in my eye so then I could tell the teacher that I needed to go to the office and see the nurse to get the eyelash out. So that was me at a very young age trying to get out of nap time. Um, I, I remember in second grade not having done my spelling homework and so I would uh, see when the teacher was starting to come down the aisle, uh, the rows of our seats to check my work and I would quickly go to the bathroom and go hide out in the bathroom so she couldn't see that I hadn't done my spelling and different avoidance things like that and now that I work in an elementary school I see these things daily (laughs) we we have the same kind of frequent flyers to the office who are trying to get out of work is that a marker of ADHD yes is it something to treat or or do something about I don't know. That's up to you. That is up to you of whether or not having anxiety or having ADHD or having OCD or having something is holding you back in a way and, and it's debilitating. You're, you're not meeting your deadlines that either are, are imposed upon you by work or self-imposed. So I 
happen to have so many different things in place that for right now, it's better for me personally to not really do anything and and not really medicate from a pharmaceutical standpoint because I can handle it. I, I, I know what I need to do with the anxiety, with the driving. I need to have turn by turn instructions on, especially if it is the first time I'm driving anywhere. I need to be able to sort of shift through and sift through my 80s music that I already know the words to. So it's just kind of comforting in my head. I like the windows down. Um, I like to stay in a certain lane when I'm driving on the freeway, especially if it's the first time I've ever gone to one of these places. Once I have driven over and over again, it's just muscle memory. I'm no longer thinking about it. And, and chances are, lots of this is kind of ringing true to you. And so it's up to you to filter and decide what it is you're going to do about this information. So I love the acronym for SLOW, which is simply look only within. So take the information, take your, your different uh, markers of who you are and how you tick and your personality, and then own them. If you need medication, okay, own that. But, but it's not an excuse. It's, it's not a, um, a problem unless you either think it is or if you are no longer doing the things you need to do in order to be a full-fledged functioning human. So some people, if they uh, have this kind of avoidant part of their personality, they start to avoid things and they reach for self-soothing activities that aren't really good for them. Drugs, alcohol, smoking, um, calling in to work sick constantly when you're not really sick. Those are issues. Those are problems. That, that needs to be paid attention to. But procrastinating on a writing project and then cranking it out a few hours before it's due and you do okay on it, that's not really a problem. That's just part of who you are in your process. So I am a writer and I have never once missed a deadline. And it was really interesting because in college I would play around with it. We would be given uh, writing assignments. And I sometimes in the beginning would map out the outline and the notes and, and put on the calendar when I'm going to write this part and that part. And I would have like a two-week process of writing. I kept getting A's. So then I would shorten my process. Okay, well now I'm going to truncate it and do it all in a week. Okay. By, by the end of college, I was cranking out an essay on Shakespeare an hour or two before it was due. And I still got an A. So it wasn't an issue for me. It was just part of the process. And it wasn't as if I wasn't thinking about my Shakespeare essay. I was thinking about it in the shower. I was thinking about it on a run. I was thinking about it on a walk. I was writing in my head, but I wasn't necessarily sitting and I couldn't prove to anyone else that I was working. But I decided this isn't a problem. So same now. If I have a book deadline, I, I'm actually much better at not procrastinating with book deadlines, usually because I am sending 
pages off for people to read. Um, My mom is actually one of my best editors and so she prefers a chapter at a time and so I can write in that way and send her off chapters to read. Um, But if she has asked for something on a Friday, there are many times I don't start writing until that Friday morning to crank it out to send it off to her. But it's okay because again, not missing deadlines, still making forward progress. Sometimes people like the labels because it is short of a sort of, sorry I slurred there because my mouth is dry, sort of a shorthand in connecting with people. Like you're an introvert? Oh great, I'm an introvert too. And so then it's a quick way of connecting. Same with whether or not you think you are an empath or whether or not your Briggs Meyer or Myers Briggs, whichever it is, uh, it uh, four letters is is this or that, and then you can connect with other people. Oh, you're an ENFJ. I'm an ENFJ. Those type of things. Um, your horoscopes, whether or not you identify with the the markers of your horoscope or not. Um, again. Just take all of that information and filter it, but it doesn't need to mean anything. It doesn't need to mean that you're this way and this way only. Because what's fun about being human is you're constantly changing. You're constantly adapting. You're constantly evolving into this newer version of yourself because every day you're learning new things and and you're coming up with new ideas and you're interacting with new people which kind of lights you up and then you can decide what it is with all of this information. Every time you read something, you can decide whether or not that sounds like you or doesn't sound like you and then you filter it. You filter it all out and then you look within and decide what rings true for you. When it comes right down to it, we all just want to climb into bed each night feeling calm, content, and at peace. We want to know that we were able to keep all the balls in the air and were productive without neglecting our own needs and wants. I know. I get it. That is why I recorded a free masterclass on the 10 things happy, successful people do each and every day, and I'd love for you to join us. Learn simple and practical tips to reclaim the sanity and joy in your home and family at stephanieoday.com forward slash masterclass. Uh, My friend Sandy Cooper, uh, she's constantly uh, joking with me and telling me that I need to take that Enneagram test. And I've taken it a few different times and there's different ones uh, that you can do, but it doesn't necessarily ring true to me each time. And I can, I can take it on, on one day with, with one, uh, thought, and then I can take the exact same quiz on another day and, and get a different answer. So if these things are helpful and useful for you, use them. But, but if you're using them as a crutch, then, uh-uh. No. 
Another thing I want to point out and talk about, and this actually comes up in a school setting pretty often, is whether or not who you are and the way your brain ticks and whether or not you're neurodivergent or, or, or not or if you're um, thinking things in this way and only this way, if it gives you a pass and, and kind of a pass at maybe making a deadline or a pass at um, completing an assignment. And it's really interesting. Um, I was talking to a coaching client and she has ADHD and she likes to chew gum and it helps her focus. But she had been shamed at a young age because she was working in a grocery store and she um, was bagging groceries and she was chewing gum. And the rule is, at that store at the time, the rule is you cannot chew gum in front of customers. And so she battled it out um, with the manager at the time. And I think she said she was like 22 or 23. And she battled with the manager and, and she wanted to chew the gum. And she, she just couldn't handle it. And so she ended up um, quitting. She wasn't fired, but she quit all over whether or not she could chew gum while doing her job. And so as you're listening to this, decide. Is, is, is having this thing or this tick something that you are, are going to uh, die on the hill for? So she wanted to chew gum so badly that she was okay quitting that job. So it's interesting. I the the way my brain works when I'm trying to really pay attention is I need to fidget a little bit. When I was in when I was little, I I was shamed for that and I was told to Steffi stop fidgeting when I was at church and and things and pay attention and you're not making eye contact and and all of those kind of things. So over time I've created all of these different like strategies in order to really and truly pay attention if it's something that I have to pay attention to. Um, so at work, in, for instance, in meetings, if there's a paperclip on the table, I immediately grab the paperclip and just kind of under the table, I'm playing around with the paperclip. Uh, often, I have something in my pocket or something that I can sort of fidget with while I'm in a meeting or while I'm doing something that might not like capture all of my attention. And you can do this too. And it doesn't need to be gum. It doesn't need to be something that other people are paying attention to. It can be just something that you do in order to make you feel good. In one of the episodes we had talked about anchoring and anchoring is really helpful if you have anxiety and I do it pretty often and it's um, deciding when you're calm and you're in a good mood what your quote-unquote happy place is. So for me I envision the beach and, and waves rolling in and waves rolling out and uh and you, you kind of immerse yourself in that situation where you can smell all the smells and you can see the colors in your mind's eye and you can hear the birds. Um, 
and, and hear the waves crashing. And so if I'm feeling anxious, I, um, I pinch the, the kind of fatty piece of skin you have between your forefinger and your thumb. And that um, is, is an anchoring spot in it and it one is supposed to alleviate anxiety and again who knows if it really does <laughs> but but many people do it and there, there's a lot of stuff uh, that that says that's a calming acupressure point and so so pinching that it's also a way to sort of pattern interrupt and in that um, you are now feeling this sensation and it can bring you to the present moment rather than letting your your mind kind of wander off if someone is trying to talk to you. I vividly remember my my parents trying to lecture me and and gosh I would just tune out <laughs> anytime any sort of lecture would happen I would immediately tune out and so then I would have to sort of force myself to come back into the present moment. Okay um so you can decide whether or not the label you have or the label you think you have is important enough to share with others, you can decide whether or not you get a quote-unquote full-fledged medical diagnosis. And you have to pay attention to these medical diagnoses and whether or not that is going to... um, maybe hinder if you're going out for a life insurance policy or hinder you from some sort of job. So just really be aware um, of what you're doing and, and, with, and with your children also of what you're doing when it quote-unquote gets on their permanent record and whether or not it's something that, um, that, that you just want to, to carry around the sort of weight of the label. Um, same with, uh, the, there, there was a buzz term when my kids were growing up of, of HSP, which is highly sensitive person or highly sensitive people and um, uh, some sort of uh, like disorder when it came to um, tags in the back of your shirt or sock seams or different things like that. And, uh, and I had a kid who, who most definitely had that sort of sensory overload feel and we just worked with it together. Um, There were times when it would take 90 minutes or so to put soccer socks on in cleats because they were so uncomfortable. But if you want to play soccer, you have to wear soccer cleats. So it was just something that we worked through together. So again, you decide what works for you, what works for your children. There's a few other episodes I want to kind of piggyback off of and bring to your attention if they're not already on your radar. So 24, I mentioned earlier. So that was labels, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then episode 56 is waiting to be saved. And that's that kind of idea where um, you don't have to be the Kevin Arnold um, all of the time and take everything on yourself it's okay to ask for help, but you also can't just sit around and not do anything and hope that someone sort of swoops in and saves you. Um, so that episode is about that. Episode 68 is Believing in Miracles, and um, 
sort of re reimagining that it's okay to have faith and hope. And if you're in a bad spot right now, um, trust and hope and belief that good things are coming is, is very, very powerful. 88, internal dialogue. So sort of reprogramming that internal dialogue. Because if the voice that you have in your brain isn't serving you, um, I do want you to pay attention to that and do a bit of a pattern interrupt and, and start reprogramming that internal dialogue. And then number 103 is and land. Um, and that can, comes right off the heels of the 102 episode that I did with my friend Angela who has MS, multiple sclerosis. She has MS, but that doesn't define her. And so she is able to do all of these other things. And in and land, we talk about that, that you can be labeled in some way. So you can be labeled as an introvert and you can still go to parties and meet people and network. You can be labeled as highly sensitive and you still can find a way to go out in the world and do the things that you need to do. You get to decide what the labels mean and they are not your full-fledged identity. Okay, Slow Down Society, thank you for being here. I hope that was helpful. If you've got questions, reach out to me. I'm a real person. I answer my email. I will get back to you. Um, check out those other episodes. Remember to leave uh, five-star reviews because the, the more reviews, the better to sort of help trigger the algorithm. Okay, pretty people, consider yourself loved and hugged, and I'll see you again next week. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.